T-O-T, there's never much love when we go OT. I pray to make it back in one piece. I pray. OT Podcast. This is Layla, Farah, Marian, and Nima. Remember to follow us on Instagram, on Snapchat, Twitter at OT Podcast. And leave all the questions you have. Yes. Yeah, so our next one is um, this is fun. So, kind of along that line, why do Somali guys have a problem with the word feminist? For some reason, I feel that whenever a Somali guy says the word feminist, it's in a negative tone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess care to explain. From your perspective, I feel like they're scared of the word feminist. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. um, absolutely, I, it is. It's such an interesting conversation. Basically, um, that's actually what I hopefully, inshallah, if I'm ever able to get you guys on my podcast, that's literally what I want to do. Is you just focus on that topic, right? Because you, the way you guys actually sent me the questions, these were two separate questions, but they're actually very much related. In that, the first question was, "Is chivalry dead?" And then you followed it up with, "Why do men hate feminism?" And it could not have been more ironic because those two ideologies are literally opposites and you guys sent them at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, hey, why can't we guys be chivalrous but like want us to be feminists and, but not respect the fact that we're feminists at the same time? So it's like you can't have it both ways. So this is the thing when it comes to feminism. Or actually, first let me explain as far as chivalry is concerned. There's the responsibilities of the guy. So for the guy to be chivalrous to the woman he's with, he should be taking care of her, cherishing her, um, holding doors open, pulling out chairs, uh, making sure she's okay, making sure she's comfortable, making sure she's happy. Just like constantly making, like I said, just being wor- protecting her, being worried about her and cherishing her. But there is a flip side to that. There is something that this guy is receiving in return for that. He's not some, you know what I mean, like volunteer, you know what I mean? Like he's, It's not his job to just be worrying about his woman and that's it. Nothing happens for him. On the flip side of that is the woman is very worried about making her man happy, pleasing her man. So like as he's sitting, taking his plate away from him, um, being like, oh, would you like some water? Getting him something to drink. Uh, when he comes in the house, being like, let me take out your jacket off of you, for example. So there's all, it, it's a basically a two-way street in that the man is doing a great job, inshallah, of taking care of his woman, and the woman is doing a great job of taking care of and pleasing her man, right? So as guys, there's a huge concern that, it's like it's, it's that women are not interested in upholding their part of what it means to be chivalrous, right? So they expect guys to still pay for dates. They expect guys to still like I'm always encouraging guys to uh, be the one to approach a woman and be forward and be like the leader in the relationship, inshallah. So they still expect all that. But when it comes to the idea of like, hey, um, you want to get me something to drink? All of a sudden, they're feminists. What do you mean, get yourself something to drink? You're just as close to the kitchen as I am. Why don't you go get yourself something to drink and give me something to drink while you're at it? Da, da, da. So it's like you want to have it both ways, right? So the idea of feminism isn't the worst if you're really willing to be completely equal. If you're saying 100% of the income I bring into the family belongs to the family. If you're saying I will literally, literally every single thing that you do as the man is something I'm willing to do too, right? But as guys, there's a huge concern that that's not the case. That women want their cake, they want to have their cake and eat it too. They want chivalrous stuff when it benefits them. They want to receive flowers. They want, you know what I mean, a date on Valentine's Day. They want an engagement ring. They want to be treated like like, like a woman, basically. The traditional sense of a woman. Like somebody that's being taken care of and cherished and nurtured and stuff like that. They want that stuff. But they're not willing to uphold their portion of it. Right? So that's the big dilemma that guys have. Right? So 
I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say in response. So what do you want the female to I'm do sorry? in return? Hold the door for you too and like... Exactly what I was just saying. Yeah. Yeah, just take care of her man. So basically, let's say, for example, because uh, it, because it's so common, let's just take like the like the non-Muslim example for, you know what I mean, for dating and stuff like that. Like, I really hate using, you know what, I'm not going to use it. I'm going to use the halal versions. So let's say a man and woman get married, right? So the man being chivalrous for his wife is when they go out to a restaurant, he's opening the door for her, holding out the chair, you know what I mean? Like uh, pushing it in after she sits down. Um, as they, after they leave uh, the restaurant, maybe buys her like uh, some flowers or like a little teddy bear or something if they're ever at like a, a theme park or something like that. Just generally taking care of her as much as she can, as much as he can. And then her way of paying him back is like when they get back to the house, like she might be like, here, let me take your jacket off. Go sit on the couch. Do you want something to drink? And he'll be like, yeah, give me some soda or something like that. So then he sits on the couch. She brings him a soda. Da, da, da. You know what I mean? It's like just it, it really has to be even. It's like whatever the guy, if the guy is doing things to take care of his wife, she should be very much worried about pleasing him and making him happy at the same time. So it just has to be even. And the problem is, like I said, when it comes to the idea of feminism, it's that they only want things that like benefit them but then any things that challenge them or continue to perpetuate the like gender stereotypes that we're so used to from the past they're like no we don't want that we don't want the idea of being at home and cooking and cleaning and cooking and cleaning is the woman's responsibility and it's like okay sure cooking and cleaning doesn't have to be your responsibility you can work too but then all of your income should go towards the family because all of my income has to go towards the family right so like why are you keeping some of the money for yourself Oh, but Islam says that as a woman, I can... Okay, so if Islam says that, Islam also says the woman should be staying at home and she should be, like, worried about the household. So it's like, you don't get to have it both ways. You don't get to, like, change one thing and then but not change the other. So, like I said, it's a very interesting conversation and it's something that each couple has to have at a serious level. It's the kind of thing, like, it's interesting for us to talk about on, like, a societal level because it is, like, causing such, like, a clash between men and women. I feel like men and women really... This is like at the heart of a lot of the problems that we have with each other, but each relationship is going to be different. Each relationship is going to be unique and it'll have to face these challenges and hurdles together and try and find like their own balance. So I'm actually very interested to hear from you guys and like where you guys think the balance is and maybe you think I'm wrong. Maybe you think I'm like completely making this up and that women are actually doing these things and maybe us as men just aren't appreciating it or noticing it. I feel like we're talking about feminism on a really individual level, but if we're gonna talk about feminism, we have to first start talking about it on the societal level and the institutional level. Because the fact of the matter is, we do know that these structures and these in, these structures that um, and institutions that are in place and basically um, make our society function are things that continuously work against women and especially women of color. We know that these institutions are in place for white men, firstly, right? So when we're talking about feminism, it's not quite often, when I'm talking about feminism and the idea of feminism, it's right equal pay for equal work. It's the idea that women should have equal access to education. Women should have, um, uh, you know, access to reproductive health, things like that so is what we're talking yeah, equal pay for you, yeah, right? Equal yeah. work. And the idea, equal access to education, a woman has the right to choose her spouse, um, street harassment, things like that, right? Victims of sexual assault, rape, things things along those lines. Because traditionally we'll be like, what was she wearing? What was she doing? And we teach women how to function in society, but we don't 
teach men that a woman's body is her a woman's body is her own and it's her own choice what agency she chooses to take to do with it right so I think as well when we're talking about when we're talking about uh, feminism I feel like a lot of Somali guys it's uh like I'll come to the chivalrous part but when we're talking about feminism Somali guys have a really big issue with feminism as a whole because they think that it's women hating men but that's like a very very far left idea of feminism and it's not most like if we're talking about feminism nowadays it's third wave intersectional feminism and the idea that a woman you know like uh there's uh things that exactly things that work against her it's just about giving women the rights that she should have the rights that she should have and we also have to understand Islam does give women rights, but Muslims don't respect those rights, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's in the Quran, it's in the uh, the Sirah, that a woman should have a choice on who she marries. A woman should have access to her, um, what is it, her inheritance, a right to an education, to who she wants to marry. But Muslims themselves don't respect that. So I feel like we're always getting lost in what feminism is because when they think feminism, they're thinking of white feminism, white extreme feminism. And then when it comes to the idea of chivalry, um, I feel like when we're talking, the way that you're explaining chivalry, it's kind of like, it's bigger gestures. But there can be chivalry in smaller things. Like if, if, if you're date, if you're like getting to know someone in like, I guess the, like the Western idea, it's more, in the Western idea, it's more like, oh, if he texts you and he says, hey, how's your day going? Or how's your family doing? That can be chivalrous in themselves because it shows that they're thinking about you. You know what I mean? But when we're talking about, oh, he pays for every single day, he always drives you home. Firstly, I ain't never met a guy who's gonna buy you flowers and a teddy bear randomly <laughs> after a date, okay? He's, but he was talking about like the yeah, you're married. Yeah, okay, if we're talking about when you're married, Oh, okay, but anyways, like, so, I know, no, but most God. guys I feel like don't do that. They don't open the hold the door they open think for you. Them like providing for the house is yeah but you know what it can be taken back to i this is the one thing i actually do agree with it's the way that we um um i guess uh, like romance or romance. not even that like when abdul when you mentioned in your episode about languages of love and the way that different people receive and uh receive and give out love like i agree with that you know what i mean there are smaller gestures that can be seen as chivalrous mm -hmm. but chivalry as a whole i 100 think it's dead. yeah the traditional idea yeah. of chivalry is dead and it should be dead because you don't need someone to hold a door open for you yeah. or like, you know what I mean, pay for your meal every time and things like that. Like that old, like very idea. paternalistic idea of chivalry is completely dead. But in terms of like chivalry we're talking about, I guess, like would be basically being romantic, being caring, being kind, being thoughtful. That seems to be lost with it. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So one second, first, yeah, Farah and uh, Nima, do you guys want to add in as well? About chivalry? Well, I anything. I, I, I want to go in, but I, I feel like I talk so much sometimes, Allah. It's like I get annoyed with myself, but I just can't stop it. So please, like, say stuff, and then, inshallah, I'll talk afterwards. Okay, well, in terms of chivalry and the return, as in the woman's perspective, like, I obviously don't need my husband to obviously like open the door and all that stuff but in return if he does come home from a long day of work i do make the gesture and say do you want anything to eat, drink or anything i make sure that there's like a, a meal ready like hot while he's when he's home so i guess in a in a female perspective like i think i do my job you know but uh other it depends on the relationship right like how comfortable you are 
doing it, but I feel like as husband and wife, you should be comfortable to step up. And like as women, you should step up and take care of the men too. You know, after a long day of day of work. So that's my mm-hmm. opinion on it. That's my two cents. No, it's good. Yeah, I- Farah or fa- Farah, oh, right? <laughs> Farah, and I do agree with all the girls yeah. here. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. It's not like I'm gonna pull his chair and let him sit. You don't even cater to you like that. I'm not gonna do that, but I will like get you water and when you guys go out, yeah, he doesn't have to pay for everything. Exactly, you can take care of some. Oh, you can split the bill. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like it's calm. I feel like we're just we're being lost on the idea of common courtesy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like common courtesy is so far gone Mm -hmm. that like doesn't just extend to somebody you're trying to get to know or marry to. Yeah. It could be to anybody. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, what do you have okay. to say about it? Yeah, lots. So uh, I, I, I wish I took like notes sometimes. So firstly, to go, I'll just try and do it in order. So Marianne doing, mashallah, a good job, like clarifying that you're right. Maybe we're not talking about feminism at a institutional level, which I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody disagrees with. I don't know if you find anybody that says, women going to school, what the, we need to put an end to that right now. Of course, that's like illogical, right? Now, are there places in the world? Okay. <laughs> no, okay. but like, Abdul, there are actually guys that I know who I've gotten into disagreements with them mm-hmm. about, um, about like uh, women getting equal pay and believing that that's not true and that that's all just fidged numbers. Or when a man gets married to yeah. Cool. He just gets mad and says, "Why are you still in school? Take care of me." Exactly. You're done. You're just like wasting your time in school till you get married, anyways. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> so okay. So anyways, yeah, right. Maybe that's maybe that's its own issue that there are still challenges that women are facing even at an institutional level. Um, that's not necessarily the conversation I'm more interested in having because it, like, it's just not an interesting conversation. If you really don't believe that women should be going to school, that women should have equal rights, it's like that's, that's like a non-starter for a conversation. You just hear somebody say that. It's almost like somebody saying something crazy to you. Black people shouldn't have rights. Okay, this is clearly a person I shouldn't even be talking to. You know? So it's up to you if you continue to choose to waste your energy on these people. I choose not to, right? So the much more interesting conversation is what I feel like we got into afterwards. So, Layla, you brought up a great point where, and, and a great point in that I want to argue it, not that I like very much agree with you, but you're like, chivalry is dead, basically, right? That's what you said? So I would say you have to be very careful in saying that because that's your ideal. You're saying that when you get married, you don't want a traditionally chivalrous relationship. But for a lot of people, that sounds incredibly appealing, that a man will pay for the first date, will buy his wife flowers, will get her an engagement ring, will make plans for Valentine's Day. There are a lot of women that find that very attractive and it's something that they very much want in their lives. So it's wrong to tell them like, no, chivalry is that you don't, you don't get to have that anymore. You know what I mean? If they want it, they should have it. You know what I mean? They just need to be willing to put in their part, which goes to what Nima said. And Nima's point was an excellent point. And I really... It's so important to me, like, because you guys have this platform, I would love to see you say stuff like that more often. Like, yo, women need to start doing better, right? Because I say that on my podcast all the time. I have tough conversations about issues that are facing guys. There's so many guys working at camp that are ignoring the responsibilities they have to their family. 
So that's a conversation we need to have as guys. And you know what I mean? Like you need to be tough on guys saying like, yo, you need to recognize that what you're doing is very, very challenging and difficult on your family and maybe not the best thing. Have, have conversations about like uh, guys' addiction to pornography. Uh, guys, uh, like, you know what I mean? Like going towards like red pill philosophy and believing that women are toxic and evil and stuff like that. So as guys, we need to have difficult conversations and improve ourselves and be like, hey, there's lots of stuff that we're not doing our part in and we need to improve. So I very, very much appreciate hearing Nima say, yo, as women, we need to recognize that, yo, we need to step up. We need to be doing our part. And if the man you're with is not doing his part, that's something you've got to let him know. But it can't just always go back to that. It can't, that can't always be the first thing you say. Like, all right, but he needs to do... Forget what he's doing. Worry about yourself first and foremost. Are you doing what you need to do? Right? So that's, that's the conversation that I would love to see women have at a more serious level. So you, at first, Layla, were a little dismissive saying, like, chivalry is dead. But like I said, I feel like that's too dismissive. There are a lot of people who still want that. There are a lot of people who still want a guy to, you know what I mean, be the leader and be the person who's like moving forward towards a girl like and is the one like pursuing her right so in your not your world i'm not going to like create this world for you but in the ideal feminist world it would be completely equal that that question i asked you guys earlier the idea of like oh if a guy walked into a room and you were really attracted to him would you walk up to him in the ideal feminist world of course you would yeah you're a strong independent woman you want you see somebody you want you're going to just walk up to him and do it but it's like all of us recognize we don't live in that world right like we live in the real world and it's just it's not, it's not like, you know what I mean, reasonable to expect it, even though it would be really nice. Like, I, I, I would love to see that happen, but it's probably not going to, right? So because we live in this world where there are still gender roles and expectations of the genders, some people do want to live in a world where women are, like, like cherished and taken care of and, you know what I mean? And then men want to live, and then at the same time, they want to live in a world where men are, love like just showered with love and attention and affection and stuff like that so some people want that and like i said when it comes to the idea of feminism and chivalry they're just opposing ideologies and a lot of guys are concerned that women want both right they want each of them when it like benefits them right so that's that's i think like i said the the disconnect that we have between men and women that inshallah we can try and like bridge that gap and like help people understand well, I guess you can't really do it at a societal level. You really do have to do it at each individual relationship level. Like Nima was saying, in her relationship, they have their own balance that they figured out. And each person has to do that. But what happens is we have these conversations at a societal level, and a guy who maybe very much wants to be like a chivalrous guy might hear somebody like Layla talk and be like, yo, man, women these days, man, they're like this and that. It's like, Sahib, relax. There are other women out here too. You know what I mean? And then same thing. There might be a sister who's like, yeah, if I get married, I expect the guy to give me an engagement ring. And a guy who very much agrees with feminism is like, excuse me? Are you, this isn't 1950. What do you mean you're going to get an engagement? Are you going to buy me a watch that's also $4,000? Like, what, how dare you even say that to me? Da, da, da. So it's very important to find like, the right people to have these conversations with, I would say, and make sure that you're matched up with the right people because everybody seems to want different things and this, this seems to get confused, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I also wasn't super clear what I meant when I said chivalry is dead. I said the traditional idea of chivalry is done, as in it's not mandatory. We're not, in terms of like, say, if you look back 50 years ago, it was mandatory that men picked up women from their houses. It was mandatory that they spoke to their mom or dad and asked for their hand. It was mandatory that they had to like pay for meals and things like that. What I'm saying is 
that mandatory societal ideal standard of chivalry is gone. But it's normal mm-hmm. if you want that in your relationship, then you can expect that and demand that. That's fine. But what I'm That's saying, fair. That's fair. Like yeah. as an entire whole, it's not mandatory anymore. It's up to the individual couple and person's per- personal preferences. That's just to be clear. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, and even we're saying like as, as a society whole and this and that, to be clear, we're also talking as a society whole from the non-Muslim perspective, right? Of course, Islam does have rules and you know what I mean? Because like, even as you're saying that, I'm thinking like, man, that used to happen in the 50s? And I was like, yeah, it probably did because like America and Canada were much more Christian yeah, countries definitely. at the time, right? And then it's like, those are similar ideals to what we have in Islam. So hopefully we can, you know what I mean, encourage everybody to, you know, try and follow the sunnah. If not, then at least, you know, yeah. whatever. Try your best. Respectful to each other. So that kind of, so our last question is kind of completely different. So it's more or less, Mm -hmm. I guess, it's something that we haven't discussed really because we don't have a guy on the panel. So our question is basically, are Somali guys at an unfair advantage or disadvantage in society, in your opinion? Due to like, there's large rates of incarceration, lack of post-secondary education and higher powered careers. Is this a result of Somali guys just being generally quote unquote trash? Or having been dealt a bad hand in society as being black, male, immigrants, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I, I appreciate you, like, you know, hedging a little bit there and, you know what I mean, like, clarifying and this and that. But still, overall, just avoid the talk like men are trash, you know what I mean? It's just super toxic. It's basically the woman equivalent. And you should Sorry? probably you have to stay off Somali Twitter then it's all men are trash. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. That kind of that kind of talk is bad. It's basically the equivalent of like guys running around telling women what to wear. You know what I mean? It's like you don't get to just like treat other people poorly and like women running around telling men they're trash. It's like your father's a man, your brother's a man, your son's a man. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's a strange thing to do. But uh but to get to your point. Excellent question. Excellent question. In fact, it's something that when I read the question I was like, "Man, I need time to like not only think about this, but I actually have to ask around about this, right? So I talked to a couple of different guys and said, yo, basically, is there something inherently wrong with Somali men? Or is it that we're facing like challenges that are pretty standard, right? And that, or, the, or are the, the challenges that we're faced right now pretty common and like occur in other communities as well, right? And I feel like I basically got a 50-50 answer. Part of it is that right now, we are just seeing like Somalis struggle and stuff like that in a way that you've seen many other communities struggle, right? So Somalis are uh, a huge immigrant class, a huge refugee class, and there's, there's like challenges and difficulties that come with that, like all immigrating to countries at the same, at, like uh, one huge like diaspora coming in. So if you look at like the US, they had very a huge like uh, criminal problem when it came to first the Irish people, then the Italians, like the mafia was like a huge deal. Uh, in the 80s and stuff like that, you had a huge like um, Caribbean, Jamaican people coming into the, uh, Canada and stuff. And you saw like lots of violence with them, Haitians and Puerto Ricans and uh, New York, Cubans and Miami. So I think it's a pretty common thing when you do have huge immigrant bases, huge immigrant populations come into these new countries and they struggle financially and criminal options are just open to them in that it offers free cash, not free cash, but like easy cash and just a way to hopefully better yourself, right? And they're just desperate, so they go into it. So a portion of it is that. But that's the easy answer. That's the easy way of being like, no, there's nothing wrong with us. We're just, we're exactly like the same, we're exactly like all these other immigrant classes that have come in the past and, you know what I mean, like had difficulties, like we'll figure it out. 
there is, I would say, some issues that are inherently unique to Somali people, right? Like we are, we, we, we are broken in some ways, right? And I'm going to get into that. But first, like you guys said, you guys are four people. So I would love to hear your guys' points. But then I definitely have two points that I think specifically go into like why Somali people specifically and specifically Somali men, to be clear, like you were saying, like as far as like incarceration rates, those aren't Somali sisters that are like filling up jails. You know what I mean? Like those are our Somali brothers. So there are two specific points I want to make related to that. But firstly, I would love to hear uh, your guys' take. Um, I think that like when we're talking about it, we're kind of forgetting that Somali people are black and that obviously, uh, like I said again, these institutions aren't supposed, they don't work for us. So we know that things like the housing, housing industry, housing like um, housing market, uh, banks, education systems, uh, criminal justice systems don't work for us. And a lot of these systems work to oppress these bodies continuously, right? So yes, Somali boys are getting incarcerated, but it's not always, yes, the Somali community may like obviously is having a lot of difficulty in cities like Ottawa, Toronto, uh, Edmonton, places like that. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that black boys are targeted and they're criminalized from an extremely young age. And especially if we're looking in the city of Toronto specifically, which I think has the highest rates of uh, like Somali boys being killed, um, carding, for example, you look like someone, you look like a criminal. And when you say that to someone, you're criminalizing them and you're criminalizing them from a very young age. Or if you probably have, have heard stories of um, people saying that uh, Somali boys when they're younger and in school, oh, he's very overactive, you know? He's a little too crazy, things like that. And system, and those things, they build up. And then we can't forget that a lot of times, these are like, uh, we're new immigrants, right? We're first generation. So parents, uh, a lot of, Somali mothers are single mothers and they're working one, two, three jobs in order to support their family and you might not be able, you're not able to afford the one-on-one -on -one time that um, people who have uh, like systematic wealth that is uh, that goes down through generations may have. And a lot of these Somali fathers aren't active in their children's lives, right? So we have to understand that when parents get divorced, you're divorcing like parents are divorcing one another, but they're not divorced. They shouldn't be divorcing their children. They should still try and be active in their children's lives. But quite often they'll just dip, go back to Somalia. So a lot of the times uh, these younger boys, they don't have positive role models or role models that look like them, that they're able to know that they can achieve great things. So I don't think Somali men are like, like lazy or things like that. I just think that a lot of things work against them and it is very hard to work to dismantle these systems or for your voice to be heard or for them to be aware of resources in place that can help them overcome these, right? I think that uh, it depends on where they live too. Like where the, if they live in a, like a lower income yeah. area, I feel like that has a huge effect on it. Uh, also the school, the crowds that they hang out with can be a factor and I feel like it's the guy's responsibility to choose the right crowd right so if he's obviously going with the crowd that skips class and everything most of the chances are he's gonna be on the uh, in the block he's gonna be with the guys who are older like OG's and stuff like that and doing stuff and then later on in life they he continues in that footstep especially if he doesn't have that uh, father figure guiding them in the right direction 
I feel like it's really true because even if you look at like land maps and the way that cities are purposely structured where they keep lower income schools and lower income areas, right? Mm. Low income schools are in low income areas. They don't have resources and those students will quite often not test as well. And who do we know that traditionally lives in, in lower income areas? New immigrants or like people of color quite often. Yeah. So when you're doing that and when you're zoning like that, and you keep the good schools in the good neighborhoods, quote unquote, you're purposely making it, making sure that these people will continuously fail over time. And there's a lot of like police presence in these yeah, areas. Yeah, of I course, find, and if you, you constantly know? see police and police are constantly talking to you and interacting with you and harassing you, then you're gonna feel like a criminal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Leila or Farah? Well, I think you guys covered everything <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking, honestly. So we'd like to hear from you. Marian. And Nima, you guys both raised great points, and I'm actually going to get into them a little bit. But the thing is, I feel similar to what I was saying at first. They're external reasons, right? It's a way of looking and being like, society did this to us, and that's why this is happening, right? It's like pushing the blame. And like I was saying with the last question, I really like the idea of taking responsibility for your faults, right? So like I was saying, like, I would... I, encourage you guys inshallah to hopefully be a platform that can be like hey women where can we do better where what areas like can we improve in and as far as this question like what areas can we as somali men specifically somali people as a community for sure but specifically somali men what areas can we improve right so you can't be naive you can't discount the external factors right and you guys raised a bunch of them Marian talking about like the judicial system and criminal justice system and maybe the way police look at people. And then Nima bringing up a great point. It's actually something I was going to specifically talk about uh, the community that our um, Somali families end up growing up in being a huge part of uh, the people they end up becoming. So, but like I said, external reasons aside, like we, we totally accept that there's definitely some external factors involved. Like I said, it's, it's a two part answer. The reason Somali people are struggling, Somali men specifically, definitely outside factors, but then there have to be some internal issues within ourselves that we need to address. And you guys sort of did, but I'm just gonna delve into them a little further. So one thing that you guys didn't talk about and one thing that didn't occur to me is actually something I heard as I was talking to somebody and it sort of made sense. I'm gonna put it out to you guys and I'd like to get your feedback, inshallah, is that Somali people, although we're very proud we're not actually leaders, right? So it's not many like leaders amongst the Somali people. So for example, Somali people have, with Somali guys, I should say, I don't know if this applies to women, but definitely amongst guys, there's like 10 jobs that Somali guys have, right? So I lived in Alberta for a long time. And if you see a Somali guy, you can count on like, probably one hand, but let's say two hands, the what position he has. He's either a cook or cleaner, so he works at the camp, he's a security guard, he's a scaffolder, he's a pipe fitter, or he's a safety guy. That's it. That's all Somali people do. It's like, we're not, and, be, and the reason Somali people have those jobs is because some other Somali guy had that job before and told you, oh yeah, no, the security company's super easy to get into, uh, the cleaning company's like a union, I can get you in, da da da. It's very rare to just see a Somali person go out and be like, you know what, I'm gonna go blaze my own trail. Right. So Somali people, we do look to other people to be our like role models. Right. Like even as like a a total group. So the point that was raised to me is that Somali people, what we did when we came to Canada, 
is we used like African-Americans as our almost role models, right? We're like, all right, they're black, we're black. So like, we'll just be like them. So obviously the huge influence of like hip hop music and like, like gangster activity and things like that, like that basically became our narrative. Somali people just started viewing themselves as African-Americans, right? And it's basically the other way of looking at what Marian was talking about. Marian suggesting that, and it's something she did in my episode too, it's, it's just something I just so totally disagree with. The idea that like the police are at the heart of what it means to be black. It's like being black means that police are going to stop you and frisk you and treat you this way. It's like, man, you interact with police once every few years. Like it's just not such, a, it's not a normal thing to be interacting with police, right? Like it just can't be part of your narrative the way you see yourself, unless you want it to be, I guess. But for me, it's not. So for a lot of these Somali guys, I feel like they took on the, not, 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 not that I think, like I said, this is the thing I heard and it made a lot of sense to me that they took on the persona and the culture of black people, black African-Americans, and that's what's led to a lot of the problems you see. So a lot of these guys are just like, you know what I mean, in gangs and selling drugs and this and that from these guys that they like viewed themselves as a part of rather than the Somali community coming to Canada or wherever else and being like, no, we're Muslims. You know what I mean? Like, we're just going to go connect with the Pakistani community. We're going to go become just like the Arab community. You know what I mean? It's like they instead found their group that they were going to, like, you know what I mean, consolidate with. And unfortunately, it's a community that already has their own issues. You know what I mean? And it's like Somalis joining in just compounded the problem. So before I get into the second point, what do you think of this point? Is this completely random and out there? Or do you think there might be a little bit of merit to it? I think there is some merit to it because it kind of, I think it's, it's basically lack of role models, what you're saying in these subservient positions, but that's because we kind of just look to what our fathers or what Somali guys kind of look towards what their fathers did when they came to Canada. Their dads may have been like, you know, doctors or engineers back in Somalia, but then they came here and were cab drivers and airport security and things like that, right? But your father did that in order to support your family in the hopes that you would do something above that rather than most Somalia just kind of emulate what their fathers did. So I think maybe that could be the reason why we're not, a lot of them aren't in leadership roles and things like that, just because of lack of visibility, seeing like another Somali man in a position of power and they don't aspire, I guess not, maybe they think they can aspire to be that because they don't see themselves represented in those roles. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about that, the idea of role models and like the role of the father. That's literally my whole second point. Like I'm just going to go in on that for a long time is the reasons why like internally we're failing ourselves, right? But uh, but any other points you guys wanted to raise or is that you feel like that generally is a consensus that you guys have, that it's a valid point that maybe there's a little bit of merit to it? I feel like as well when it comes to like joining other Muslim communities, like I feel like it's hard only because... Let's be honest here, there's a lot of anti-blackness in other Muslim communities, so I feel like people tend to stay within their own community, you know what I mean? People feel more comfortable within their own, people feel more comfortable within their community. So I feel like even when you... That's that's my point, it's like the community, what Somalis decided is their community is black people, not Muslim people. Do you know what I mean? And I guess your point is that that might be not even a decision that they made, but a decision that was made for them. So you might feel like other Muslim communities aren't necessarily as welcoming. Is that what you're suggesting? Definitely other Muslim communities are not as welcoming. But I want to say that you're, 
I don't want to see you're almost okay african-american culture we are all under this umbrella of being black but we each have our own communities that uh, like i said this on like the episode i had with you but we each have our own like communities under that umbrella but i feel like it's almost like you're thinking that we are just taking the african-american narrative and just running with it would you say that that's something would you say that you you would you think that like when somali people that's the point. That's that's the point I'm making. Yeah, the point I'm making is that Somalis have adopted a lot of the African American story and narrative, and have, you know what I mean? Like, unfortunately, faced many of the same challenges that Black African Americans have. So- you know what I mean? Where it's like you don't see that same issue in the Nigerian community. Nigerians haven't come to Canada and to the U.S. and viewed themselves through the same lens of we're African Americans, so we're going to start listening to hip hop and talking the same slang and you know what I mean, involving ourselves in the same way. They really just see themselves as their own unique thing, and I'm not sure if they have other cultures that they associate with. But the point that was made to me, and like I said, I heard it. It was something I completely never thought about, but it just made a ton of sense that Somali people we need somebody to be the leader because we're not in, internally we're not our own leaders. So we used black african-americans as our leaders basically as our example you know what i mean so and because it goes to the point layla was making that inshallah all further on that though we didn't necessarily have the best role models so it's like or not even the best role we just didn't have visible role models so they just became our role models like you know what i mean so that was the point that was raised to me and i just want to ask you guys if you think I there might like be some have, there. like within our own community and within our own family structures maybe there's issues when it comes to um like male positive role like male role models for sure but i feel like now within like our generation and even like probably extending to like your because we're we're 24 right so i'd say extending on upwards to like people who like came here maybe when they were 12 or 13 there are somalis doing really incredible things you know that they're nowadays they are leaders but it's hard to be to find a leader in your own community when you are a huge population that has been displaced comes to canada and you have to make quick money your education isn't equivalent isn't equivalent here your family or your father or the male in your life is looking how can i make the quickest in like i guess in a halal manner the quickest amount of money for my family and to support my family as they are a displaced people i think nowadays there are a lot of somali men like boys who are doing really incredible things and they are giving back to the community in a versatile amount of ways but when you're talking about for example you brought up nigerians nigerians weren't a, di- a completely displaced population where a civil huge war. yeah like you know civil war we know that somalis were we were majorly displaced and had to go to other countries in order to seek um, to seek refuge, but the thing as well is a lot of these um, West Africans or things like that, when they choose to come to this camp to this country, they have money, they have family money back home that is supporting them, and things along those lines. And I don't want to all those Nigerian princes. Huh? <laughs> no, it's true. If you go to RBU, you see a Nigerian. <laughs> he's wearing head to toe Zara and has an iPad and only drinks Perrier. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is. I feel like that's it's unfair to compare because you have to look at what Somali people have gone through. But even back home, there are Somali people who are doing incredible, amazing things that are great leaders, but it is quite often difficult to find leaders within your own community. But I don't want to say that there aren't 
Now, now I feel like there are Somalis, as we've been here for a few decades, I feel like there are Somalis who are leaders and doing incredible things in the community, not just within the community, but within the global, I guess, um, like market. But I feel like when you're saying that we're just taking, we're just uh, subscribing to the African-American ideology or the culture, it's because we may not share the same history, but we're sharing a lot of the same experiences as them and a lot of the same things that they're going through now when it comes to um, police, when it, whether it comes with interactions with police um, education systems or things along those lines. And I think it's really necessary for us to work together to support one another, right? But I feel like when you're talking about hip hop, things along those lines, if people enjoy that, then we know they enjoy that. But we are black at the end of the day, right? So if they choose to, if they choose to identify with that, or they not necessarily the African American experience, but with the black experience, then I don't see something wrong with that. Mm -hmm. So. I'm going to, it's, it's funny. So I was going to basically make two points why Somali people are, and I'm still going to, I guess I made the first point about why Somali people, Somali men specifically, we have our own challenges. Uh, I'll get into the second point here in a bit, but then my final point to finish was going to be exactly what you mentioned there, that we're doing a disservice to the greater Somali community and specifically to our Somali brothers by pretending that criminality is some huge epidemic that Somali men overall have failed, that we have, it's a very small minority of brothers that have not succeeded, that have not at least put themselves in a position where they can be comfortable, inshallah, they can get married and them and their children can be comfortable if them and their wife works, if them and their wives work uh, in order to achieve their goals. So it's, we're doing a disservice, like I said, to the Somali community by pretending like but not by pretending, by suggesting that, oh, why are so many Somali brothers failing? It's not, there's really not that many of them. There's very few, but we can't ignore that they exist, right? So I'll go back to, all right, fair enough. You guys, Mori and you specifically, you don't necessarily agree with the point, but I guess that's, you know what I mean? That's to be expected. Because like I said, me and you, we just have this like, this dilemma. Like we're just never going to agree on this issue when it comes to like how much influence like the idea of being black has to the Somali community, right? So now to get into my other point though. So you guys both touched on, Nima and Mari, and you guys both touched on it, and then uh, Layla, you brought it up towards the end as well. So the idea of the Somali father, right? So I would say that is at the heart of the reason we still see some of our Somali brothers struggling, right? So you guys are very kind and very, reasonable and understanding in the way that you're speaking about many of these fathers. MashaAllah, that's very good. And even me, I should be cautious in the way I talk about them, even in private, you know what I mean? But generally speaking, I'm very harsh in the way that I speak about them because it, it is such an upsetting thing whenever I think about the fact that there are way too many Somali fathers that just, even if they're involved, okay? So first we'll do the two things, when they're not involved and when they are involved. Even when they are involved, not being good role models, right? You see way too many Somali fathers that spend their days doing ilahi knows what, you know what I mean? Like sitting at coffee shops and you know what I mean? Like, they, oh, they're a taxi cab driver, but they really don't make that much. So they're relying on like government assistance to help them out and this and that. And it's easy to do what you guys were saying earlier. Like, oh, you know, maybe they used to be an engineer before, but they're a cab driver now. So what? That's the challenge Allah gave you. So be the best cab driver you can be. There needs to be a manager for the cab drivers, right? So become that manager. Like work so hard that they have to promote you and give you some new position. It's, it's too easy. Like, we, like I would say, we, 
we take it way too easy on some of these fathers, right? And at least, I guess these guys are around. What's even not necessarily worse because sometimes a father isn't around, but he is still supporting, right? Like that's something that I noticed very much in Edmonton. A lot of Somali men that I would see and they're like, yeah, my family's in Denmark. My family's in Somalia. My family's in Ottawa, wherever it is. And they're working to support them. Allah knows how much of the money he's actually making is going back to support his family, but at least he's doing something, right? But I would say even that's irresponsible. Even that is wrong because the idea is with so many Somali men, at least, and I've talked about this on my podcast, and it's a toxic mentality that inshallah, I wish we can like try and change with the next generation that, all right, as a man, your job is to provide. All right, so just make sure you're working, make sure you're bringing in money, da, da, da. It's something that's ingrained in you from the time you're very young. It's something that's ingrained in you from a very young age when you're a guy that you need to work, all right? That's your job, that's your role. Always, you need to be bringing in money. If you're not bringing in money, you're not even really a man, da-da-da. So it's something that like, it, it, it's like oh, like a panic for guys. Like, no, I have to be working, I have to be working. So they'll do it at all costs, including leaving their families, which is the worst thing you can do. It's so much better to be around and just work a humble job, right? So I, people go to Alberta so that they can make great money. But the example lately, you're giving of a cab driver. So what? Cab driver is a pretty great job. Cab drivers are the majority of the guys that you see at the masjid because they work the most like fluid schedule. It's like, oh, it's time for salah. I'm not going to pick up any more people. I'm going to just drive straight to the masjid. So usually if you're a cab driver, Allah knows best, but chances are your iman is pretty good because you always have time to like go to the masjid and, oh, your kids, something happened at school. All right, well, let me just go pick them up and deal with them and, oh, something, something's happening. So it's like we, we don't give enough credit to these positions. Like everybody wants to be an engineer. Everybody wants to be a doctor. But with these positions that just pay more, they come with greater responsibility. And that responsibility sometimes means being more away from your family, which isn't the best, man. You really have to make a conscious decision. Like, what is your role in this world? What is it? Like, what, what is your purpose here? Is your purpose to just make as much money and live this life as comfortably as possible? Or is it to dedicate yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your family and trying to raise the best, most pious children you can and try and be an example of the best, most pious Muslim you can be? Right, so I I would say the heart of the reason of why we have seen um, so many of our Somali brothers fail is that they didn't have a good example of what uh, like a proper pious Muslim father should have been. Right, and I remember I was I, this is the point that I brought up to my friends, and we were having a very difficult time of thinking all the guys that we know that have had issues with you know me becoming criminals or whatever it is. How many of them had positive? fathers that were like actually quality Muslims. You know what I mean? Because sometimes, like I said, you will have the father around, but fathers sometimes are saqids. They're just like chewing child all day long and they're, they basically might, not, might as well not even be there. You know, but like a positive role model father who's like a strong Muslim, how many times do you see the, his kids, you know what I mean? Like ending up in jail and this and that. Very rarely, very rarely, because it, it does happen because people are their own personalities, right? But still, it's much more rare. You're much more likely to raise a good person when the father is there in his life, especially when it comes to his sons, right? So I would say that is the main reason that I was able to come up with those two points. And once again, just to reiterate though, I really, really want to stress, they are still in the vast, vast, vast minority, these cases of Somali brothers ending up in jail, ending up in the criminal justice system. The, the majority of our brothers are doing all kinds of things. And I've mentioned it on my, my podcast before. It's like, we're not very far from having Somalis being everywhere. 
Like literally everywhere. You need to buy a new car. You go to the Toyota dealership. It's a Somali guy selling to you. But you decide, I don't want a Toyota. I want a Honda. Go to the Honda. There's another Somali guy there. You know? So it's like we're going to be everywhere. We're going to be doing all kinds of jobs. And that's because Somali people, alhamdulillah, we're ambitious. And we want to make money and stuff like that. And hopefully, like, if we do have any challenges right now, inshallah, may Allah make them easier for us. And may we continue to persevere and just become the best people that we can be. You know what I mean? And become a hopefully a good example for fellow Muslim communities that do end up coming to Canada and immigrating to other Western countries like our Syrian brothers and sisters that are going through their own struggle right now. And then even the Rohingya that inshallah hopefully will be coming into Canada and other places to flee persecution. So I'm very hopeful that the Somali people at some point will become a success story, right? Like right now we do still have challenges. We do have, you know what I mean? Like hurdles we still need to climb. But like I said, I'm very hopeful that we will become a success story that other um, immigrant classes, refugee classes can look at and be like, hey, they were able to do it. They did have struggles. It wasn't easy. They had, you know what I mean, a lot of challenges and stuff they had to get through. But alhamdulillah, look at where they are now. Right? So I'm very hopeful that we'll get to that point, inshallah. Yeah, so I think that was a pretty great way to end off our episode. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I think you provide a lot of a good perspective that on a lot of the questions and issues. If anybody ever wanted to contact Abdul or hear more about him, his podcast is called Abdul at Your Service. And you can also send him an email if you check out his website, abdulayf.com. Right? <laughs> so impressive. I repeat that email every single episode twice because I'm hoping that that's what happens. That people just like, Abdul AYS, Abdul AYS. It's like on your mind, you know? So great job. Thank you very much, Alayla. That's yeah. right. Is there anything you wanted to say to finish off? Uh, thank you guys Wallahi, so much. And I, I, I mentioned it like quickly earlier, like you guys are doing a good job. Well, it's not an easy thing to put yourselves out there. It's not an easy thing to be like, Hey, let us come out here and talk. It opens you up to criticism and people sitting at home be like, Hey, during your episode, I heard you say this one thing. Yo, I'm talking for an hour. Of course I may have said one thing that may have been incorrect, but it's like, you don't you don't need to like jump down my throat for that. So I'm sure you guys noticed that it's, it's definitely a challenge, but it takes a brave person to be like, you know what? There are some issues that need to be discussed, and I don't see anybody else discussing them, so I'm going to discuss them, right? So I very much commend you guys. I encourage you guys to continue working, inshallah, and hopefully may this become like the most successful thing, right? And we can have like a voice for our Somali community, specifically Somali sisters in your guys' case, but even still as a greater Somali community, you know what I mean? And as a Muslim community of uh, positive role models, because I would say you guys are basically representatives of what like ideal Muslim sisters and specifically Somali sisters would be, right? Like educated, smart, um, like ambitious, hardworking. Like you, you guys are basically what our Somali parents would look at and say like, this is what I want for my daughter. So the fact that you guys have a platform that, you know what I mean? You get to share your voices and your opinions is very, very good. So I commend you and inshallah may this continue to be a, a blessing for you guys. All right, thank you guys for listening. Again, you can email us at otpodcast at gmail.com. Catch us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Twitter. Any questions, comments, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye, bro. Take care.